You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning and turn to uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, as we uh, continue in our series, We the Church, we uh, started this series out looking at the focus of the church is uh, to glorify God. Um, as we launched into September uh, this year. And, uh, and then the rest of the series is going to be out the, about the Word of God. And uh, the next message was about the Word of God is trustworthy. And we saw eight different reasons why we can trust God's Word. Today, we're going to take a look at the fact that the Word is about Jesus Christ. And the message is entitled Christ at the Center. And then next week, Lord willing, we will take a look at the reality that the Word of God is sufficient. It can do exactly what it needs to do. But today, Christ at the center. Um, You make the argument about what is the Bible about? Why do we have this? If you were to write down in one sentence, what is the purpose of the Bible? We would say the Bible is God's primary revelation of himself, his attributes, and his characters, and his redemptive work in Jesus Christ. It's a way we learn about God in his character. God revealed himself in many different ways. He's revealed himself in nature. He's revealed himself in our conscience. But he's revealed himself in his word. And doing so, specifically, we learn about the uh, nature of God. We learn about his characteristics. But overwhelmingly, we learn about the redemptive plan through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ is the center. He's the focus of the Word. And we're going to see that this week in our text from Luke chapter 24. So get your Bibles open. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as uh, we read from His Word. And I'm going to read a number of verses today. So I'm going to jump into the story that's going on here at verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. And they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. And they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? See my my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. And he said to them, These are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, 
that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, are in awe of you and the reality that because of Jesus Christ, we can come into your presence. I pray, Lord, that today you would give us ears to carefully listen to your word. Father, Jesus Christ, the focus. He is the center. I just pray, God, that you would give us minds to understand and the one who is doubting and is outside of Christ, that they would see the Lord today in a new way and come in repentance and faith and follow you. I pray you would grow us up in Jesus Christ as we consider the Word of God and He being the center. And then after you give us ears to hear and minds to understand, Lord, would you give us passionate hearts that just as these followers went out and they were different, we would go out from here different people than even we came in today. Do your work for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, it's always important to understand context because you don't want to rip the Bible out of its context or you can make it say whatever you want to make it say. So let's just understand what's going on in this story before we get into uh, three major thoughts right out of the text. And, and so it's right after the um, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, chapter 24, verse 1 says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb. And then in verse 13, that very day, two of them were on the road. So the Lord Jesus Christ is just risen from the dead. And uh, later on in that day, there are two men. One's name is Cleopas. And as far as I can find in the Bible, we don't know what the other guy's name is. But there's two of them. And they're walking along on the road uh, to Emmaus. And and while they're walking along, this stranger comes up to them and, and starts to talk to them. And they don't recognize that it's Jesus Christ. If you look uh, in the verses, um, verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and, and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And so they... They're walking along and they're talking with the Lord Jesus Christ and they don't understand who it is and... And they're telling him what's just happened in Jerusalem. They're telling him what they've seen to the point where in the text they say, are you the only person who doesn't understand what's just happened in Jerusalem? When in reality, Jesus was the only person who did understand what just happened in Jerusalem, right? And, and so they're, they're walking along, and, and then now that brings us down really to the text. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? I I wonder why they didn't recognize him. I I thought about that. And uh, the Bible says that they they were kept from recognizing him. Um, Later on, they would, and they'd be overwhelmed by uh, what they saw. But there's three things that we want to see today as it reflects right out of this text about Christ at the center Christ being the focus of the Word of God. And and so here's the first one. Um, We see the revelation of Christ, who He is. The revelation of Christ, who He is. Look at verses 25 to 27. And He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses 
and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, Jesus goes back into all of the scriptures and he shows them the things concerning himself. I used to have a friend in ministry who's now gone to be with the Lord, but uh, he used to say this about the Bible, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. You have the Old Testament all pointing to Jesus Christ, and in the New Testament, all those things that we wondered about are being revealed about Jesus Christ. Um, he didn't come up with that on his own because Augustine said, the new is in the old contained, the old is in the new explained. And so these men understood a little bit about their Bible. They would have understood what had happened. And, and Jesus is going to go through all through the prophets and all through Moses and all through the Psalms and explain himself. But they understood what the Old Testament was. Um, could you tell the story of the Old Testament in two minutes? Could you kind of lay out for people what the, what the Bible, the Old Testament is about? I remember when I was in Bible college, we learned an outline of uh, the book of Genesis. It's not an in-depth outline, but it kind of gives you an idea of what Genesis was about. And, and it was uh, four great events and four great men. And, uh, and so we learned that the Bible starts out talking about creation and God and what he's made and how he created it all. And this will be part of what Jesus is helping them understand as they go through. In the beginning, God, God never tries to approve himself or identify himself or just starts out, in the beginning, God and we see his creation. And then we see the fall of man and Adam and Eve and the temptation was there and Adam standing right there with her and they sinned together and we see the fall of man. And then we see the, uh, the flood and God's going to bring judgment on the world. And uh, only Noah along with his wife and sons and their wives, uh, their son Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they're the only ones who are, are going to be saved from the, the flood. And, and then we have the story of the tower and how man decides he's going to try and reach to God and, and then God sends him, confuses the language and, and the nations are born. And then we have four great men and Abraham comes on the scene and he moves down, he comes down to the land and goes down into Egypt and all the story about Abraham and his son Isaac and God says, I want your son. And he's going to offer his son as a sacrifice and God provides a ram. And then Isaac's son Jacob is born and from Jacob comes the 12 sons who, from the 12 tribes and the rest of the book of Genesis is about Joseph. Now I went to Bible college to learn that. Um, but um, you can know that. Um, the Bible goes on in the Old Testament, and we, we learn about Moses and uh, the work that he did and his faithfulness and, and uh, how he led the people. Um, and he brings them to the promised land, but not into the promised land. And last week when uh, Rick Donald was here, we learned about Joshua and crossing over the Jordan River and the 12 stones so that they would never forget what God has done and the faithfulness of, faithfulness of Joshua. And then as we go through the Old Testament, we have uh, the judges. And the Bible says in the book of Judges over and over the cycle, every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. And we have the cycle of all of the judges. And then the people say, we want a king. And God says, you don't want a king. Yes, we want a king. The Lord says, okay, well, you're going to see how that's going to work out for you. It's not going to work out good for you. And, uh, and while all of that is going on, we have the prophets and their teaching and the story of David. And all of that's all happening um, during this time. And uh, at the end of the Old Testament, we have the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom goes into exile, and the southern kingdom goes into exile. And 
But it's not just a story. It's all taking us somewhere. All of it's part of God's redemptive story. All of it's part of God's redemptive plan and, and what he is revealing about his son, Jesus Christ. As Moses wrote, all of the laws and all of the things about sacrifices in the book of Leviticus, all of it so we would understand without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. And all of the things that were happening there, all of the blood that was let and all of the sacrifices that were made were all pointing towards Jesus Christ. And so we have these two men walking along the road, somewhat dismayed, somewhat discouraged. Things probably didn't work out the way they thought they were going to work out. And, and they meet this man who walks with them. And I love that it says, and beginning with Moses, in all the prophets, he interpreted them, all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. They say there are 300 um, different scriptures in the Old Testament that point towards Jesus Christ. So I found them all, and for the next three and a half hours, we're going to look at them. Okay, we're not. Um, I'm going to pick a few. But in doing so, don't miss the, and he interpreted them in, to them in all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. This book is about Jesus Christ. This book is about the redemptive story. This book is how salvation is available to us and accomplished in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So you got these two guys now walking along the road with this stranger who they don't recognize yet, who's going to teach them all these things from the Scripture. I love the fact that we have small group ministries in our church. I love the fact that we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. But I want to be in that small group. I want to be in the small group where you're walking along the road with Jesus. And he's showing you all the stuff from the Bible that was pointing to him. It's interesting. The text doesn't say what he showed them. Just that he went through all of the scriptures and, and he showed them. And uh, so I'm going to go through lots of scriptures and show you some things. I'm sure he would have started. It says he started with Moses, so he probably started right back in Genesis. In Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you. Uh, God is speaking to Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, Satan. You shall only be able to bruise his heel, speaking of Jesus Christ. And that's the beginning of the narrative, the clear narrative that's going to go all the way, weave all the way through Scripture that there's going to be a Savior, there's going to be a Messiah, there's going to be deliverance for our dead bodies to come to life. He probably started in Genesis, and, and then as he was walking along, he, he probably said, uh, hey guys, do, did you know that the Messiah would be the heir to the throne of David? He would have taken them to Isaiah, in 9-7, of, of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's fulfilled in Luke 1, 32 to 33. Now, understand something, because I want to make it clear so you're not like, pastor, like he didn't have a Bible to open and show them, right? 
So when I refer to a reference, uh, Jesus wasn't going like, hey, look here, guys, look here, open your Bible in Genesis 3, right? Uh, they had it in scrolls, they had it in, that day they didn't have anything, they just had Jesus teaching them the things they had already been taught, the things they already know. So I'm going to refer to passages so you know where you can look it up and you can see it, but for them it was a dialogue. And so they're moving along the road and he says, um, hey guys, did you know that, uh, do you remember that in the Bible where it said that um, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? They're like, oh, I don't remember that. Well, well, in Micah, Micah the prophet in Micah 5.2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. And that's fulfilled in Luke 2, 47. And so many of these scriptures I give to you, as the fulfillment says, so that it would be fulfilled. So that it would be fulfilled. The odds of even eight or nine of these things happening, I was reading the mathematics, the, the, the mathematicians say it would be like one to the 10th power. It's actually more than that. But the chances of all of these things happening are ridiculous. They don't just happen. This is Jesus and so they continue to walk along the road, and he says, um, hey, guys, you know, you know, remember when we were learning about the Messiah that we learned that uh, Isaiah taught them that he would be born of a virgin, and he would take them to Isaiah, where we have it in 714, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. That's fulfilled in Luke 1, 26 and 27, and 30 and 31. And Jesus said to them, you guys remember that uh, there would be an exodus out of the land. There would be a slaughter after the Messiah would be born. And in Jeremiah 31, 15, thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are, they are no more. And uh, we see that fulfilled in Matthew 2, 16 to 18, and the slaughter and then the flight into Egypt, Hosea 11, 1. Guys, hey, do you remember that? Do you remember in Hosea when Hosea said, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son? And that was fulfilled in Matthew 2, uh, 14 and, and 15. And, and Jesus just continues to walk with them, and they're walking down the road, and they're trying to figure out, who is this guy? And, and what, how does he know all this stuff? And their eyes are not yet open. But Jesus is going all through the Scriptures to, to teach them. Because Jesus Christ is the center the Bible's all designed to point us toward him and our salvation in Jesus Christ. As they're walking along, he would have said, uh, you know, the Bible in the Old Testament, he wouldn't have said Old Testament, but he said the Bible, the prophets would have said in Malachi, and Malachi said there would be a forerunner, one who would come ahead. Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And that was fulfilled in John the Baptist, but we see that fulfilled in Luke 7, 24 to 27. Jesus said, you know, the Messiah who would come, the, the prophets and the psalmists and Moses, they, they learned a lot of things. And, and one of the things they learned was he would speak in parables to them. 
Psalm 78, two to four, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. And that's fulfilled in Matthew 13, 34 and 35. There's lots more. He healed the brokenhearted. He would be rejected by his own people. Jesus says he's walking along and these guys are saying to him, don't you know? These guys are saying, don't you know what just happened? Like, did you just miss what just happened in this city? And, and Jesus says, but, but Isaiah said he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed, fulfilled in John, John 1, 11. And they're walking along. And Jesus continues to teach them because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things that were laid out in the Old Testament for them. And they must have been wondering. They must have been confused. They must have been seeking. They must have been... Jesus said, uh, don't you know that he'd be rejected by his own people? Don't you know he'd be betrayed by a close friend? Psalm 41, 9, even my close friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Fulfilled in Judas in Luke 22, 47 to 48. That he'd be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver and they weighed out as my wages, 30 pieces of silver. Uh, fulfilled in Matthew 26. He would stand before his accusers and he would be silent. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth, fulfilled in Mark 15, 4 and 5. He would die as a substitutionary sacrifice. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed, fulfilled in Romans 5, 6 to 8. He'd be killed with criminals. Isaiah 53, 12. Soldiers would gamble for his clothing, Psalm 22, 17 and 18. No bones would be broken, Psalm 34, 20. He would be forsaken by God as they're walking along. And the Lord Jesus is teaching them all of these things about himself that are found in the Old Testament. Said he would be forsaken by God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Fulfilled in Matthew 27, 46. His side would be pierced, Zechariah 12, 10. He would be buried with the rich, Isaiah 53, 9. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth, fulfilled in Matthew 27. And he would be resurrected. And Jesus is teaching them all of these things as they're walking along and they're trying to understand and they're hoping to figure it out because this teacher who was with them and Psalm 16.10, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. And Psalm 49.15, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. And all this is fulfilled in Mark 16, 6 and 7. Jesus is now risen from the dead. He's taken them all the way through all of the scriptures, starting with Moses and the Psalms, 
and the prophets, all of the things that were teaching about himself. I don't know if he went further than that. I don't know if he, he talked about the fact that um, he would ascend. It hadn't happened yet. But in Psalm 68, 18, you ascended on high, leading a host of the captives in your train, receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious. And Christ would ascend to heaven. And they're walking along, and they're trying to understand it. See, the Bible says in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And Jesus takes them, as it were, a walk down memory lane on a focus to who he was. Uh, Rick Donald was here last week and preached to us from uh, Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4, and he talked about the stones. Remember the one line he said, the beginning of his, his message, he said, when God does something great, he wants us to to remember it, right? When God does something great, he wants us to remember it. And so that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done with his, these two men. He's taking them all the way back through. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. This was the Messiah. This was the Messiah. This was the Messiah. And so he finishes teaching them and Jesus looks like he's going to go on and they invite him to uh, stay with him and to have dinner, as it were, which leads us to the, the second point of the message, and that is the repercussions of the revelation. What did it do? The repercussions of the revelation. What did it do? It says in verse 32, and they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? You can talk to people about God all of you want, all you want, and you can give them all of the proofs that there are. And when I taught about the trustworthiness of the Scripture, I, I said, "Here's eight things you could have broken that out differently." But here's eight reasons that God's word is trustworthy. But the reality is, it's God's word that changes a person's heart. It's God's word that makes the difference. And they got it. They, they now have seen the Lord. And so it says, and so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it's toward evening. And the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And uh, when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Can you imagine They've been walking with him, who knows how long, an hour, two hours, half a day, I don't know how long, but now they're sitting at the table and they're going to, and Jesus breaks bread and blesses it and their eyes are open and they understand who this is, Jesus Christ. The one who's been teaching all these things, he was like, oh my goodness, he was right in our presence, he was right here. I don't know what it was about the breaking of the bread because it was, says as they broke the bread, but it doesn't tell us any more about that in the text. So we're left to surmise maybe a little bit about it. We don't make a big deal out of things that God's Word doesn't make a big deal out of. I just, I just wonder, I just wonder whether it was um, his voice. Or maybe they'd heard Jesus before. Maybe um, in just something that he did. I don't know. Um, the Bible to me has never been clear about it. I've never, if you, if you find the answer to that that's clear in Scripture, you let me know. It just says well, in the breaking of the bread and doing the blessing and their eyes were opened. 
And they realized who they'd been with all afternoon. And here's what they said. Did our hearts not burn within us as he talked to us and he spoke from the scriptures? It changed them. The repercussions were their heart burned within them. Did our hearts not burn when we heard the word of God? We need to be people who are excited about the word and about the Lord of the word. We need to be people who lead and teach not out of our experience. We use our experience to, as illustrations and all the rest, but we lead through the word of God. Because as they were hearing it, as they're walking down the road, they were like, something about this, something about this, something about this. And, and then their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. The greatest miracle that God performs on a regular basis is that of life change. On a regular basis. Uh, we've been celebrating it in our church over the last uh, number of weeks. The, the wall out there is a picture of the life change that happens because of God's word. Every year, millions of people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of his word, because of the work of Jesus Christ. Every year, scores and scores of people are delivered from some kind of affliction. Why? Because of the power of God's spirit working in them through the, the word of God. Every year in our church, we people see, see people set free from all kind of bondages because of, of the word One of God's primary tools for effecting change is the Bible. But what is about this collection of writings that empowers us to live is amazing because it's God's Word and it's alive. What did it do? It burned within them. It burned within them. And then we come down to the last thing today. How did it change them? What are the results of the revelation? What are the results of the revelation of God? If you take a look at, for me, I gotta turn the page over, but if you uh, take a look at the last part, he, they now go and they tell the disciples what they've seen. Like they, they just book it back to Jerusalem and they get with the disciples. You won't believe what happened. You won't believe the story. You won't believe what we've seen. You won't believe what God has done. You won't believe that Jesus Christ. Hey, hey that guy, he took us all the way through the scripture. He started with Moses and went through blah, 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 And they were just like on fire with the word of God for them. They went back and they were just pumped because of what they had seen and the change it had made in their lives. And what are the results what are the results? Starting at verse 45, and then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So Jesus is with them in the room again. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name of all, excuse me, proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things. And so this is what the Lord is now telling them. It's like, this is, this is, our, this is the going forward plan. This is what difference it's going to make. This is going to be the results and how it changes you. Well, why? What's the foundation? We'll look back again at verse 44. Then he said to them, 
These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The Bible is about Jesus. The Bible is about our salvation, our restoration, all that God done from the beginning of in the beginning God all the way through to the end of the book of Revelation. It's to show us what Jesus Christ has done, what he's accomplished for us, how we can have life in him, our role, growth of sanctification that one day will be with him in glory. The whole Bible is the to point towards that, and it changed these men. I believe it was James McDonald who said it, but it doesn't matter who said it first. It's true. If God's word has not changed you, it has not saved you. If God's word has not changed you, it has not saved you. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God changed these two men. The word of God changed the 11 who are now in the room with them. Their lives could never be the same because of who Jesus is and what he had done for them and what he has done for us. And so the question for you is, the question for me is, has it changed you? Has it changed you? There's really no room for a nominal believer. It's really a misnomer. It's, it's, we go through journeys in our lives, and my, my spiritual walk is not a perfect line like this, believe me. It's a bumpy road along the way. But, but there's no room in a changed life because of the work of Jesus Christ for sitting on the fence and I can take it or leave it. It changed them. They're fired up. They're, they're on the road back to Jerusalem. They're telling the disciples and they're about to go out and turn their world upside down. Because the revelation of Jesus Christ brought some results in their lives. In John 8, 31 and 32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, If you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And just so for a minute, I want to take a look at uh, two, two ways we see this change. First of all, we see the change in their personal lives. It changed them individually. The word of God has not changed you. It has not saved you. If you take hold of all of the Old Testament and all of this pointing towards Jesus Christ and what he would do, and then you come to the place in personal faith, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it changes you. It's not just like a ticket to heaven and I'll just keep on living the way. No, no, no. Look what the Lord has done for me. Look what he has accomplished for me. You can't be the same anymore. And they were never the same. And when their eyes were opened and they saw the Lord, they were never the same. There's a couple of hints in the text of how they were changed, um, 45 and 47, but really down in verse 47 it says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. So God does a work and he opens their mind. And then he calls them to change. He calls them to repentance. And he explains to them about forgiveness. 
Uh, they were walking in their own righteousness and the, what they thought was the right things to do. And, and the Lord opens their eyes to see what Jesus Christ has accomplished. And they turn, and now they're moving in a new way. They have changed their minds about the old things. The old things are not the way they desire to go anymore. The new way they're going is to follow Jesus Christ, who has revealed himself and, and fulfilled all of these things for them. And, and they turn in repentance and they understand the forgiveness that they have in Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness that they need to share and, and, and give to each other because God has changed them. It was a personal thing. And so the question for each of us today, is it a personal thing for you? Is it a personal thing for you? Is it, is it a personal thing for me? When I come to understand the Lord Jesus Christ and all these things that he's done and all these things that he's accomplished, and what does it make me do? It makes me turn and move in a new direction. The old is gone. The desire for those things are gone. The new has come. I want to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And they experience the forgiveness that comes from putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. You know, maybe Jesus took them to the Exodus where it says um, that the Son of Man might be lifted up. And that fulfilled in John chapter 3, 16 and 17. As the serpent in the wilderness was lifted up, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Right after he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? A repentance, a turning. I didn't deserve what Jesus Christ did for me. Remember, this is all happening the day, the day of his resurrection. This is all happening right after he's risen from the dead. And they're trying to understand it all. And he calls them to repentance and to forgiveness. Now God calls to all of us to repentance to receiving the forgiveness that's ours because of the finished work of Jesus Christ in our salvation. And then to be people of God living out for his glory. Have you received the finished work of Jesus Christ? Have your eyes been opened? Did the word of God burn in you this morning and you're tightly holding on to what you want and, and not receiving the gift from Jesus Christ? Today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Hey, and follower of Jesus Christ, the whole thing, the whole thing's about our Savior. The whole focus of what he's done and what he's accomplished and if it hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. Second thing, there was the personal, but then there was the public. It says that you are witnesses of these things. Now, they were witnesses to see these things, but uh, the Bible goes on and we see in the New Testament, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. We, we see the, the, the word of God being spread and, and our responsibility to take hold of the truth of what we know and live it out for the glory of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is revealed in the word, the reper repercussions of that revelation where their hearts burned in them. And then the change that happened in their lives made them different people. Well, so what? So what? God wrote a book. 
The Bible is God's primary revelation of himself and his attributes and his character and his redemptive work in Jesus Christ. In other words, the entire Bible points to Jesus. Has it changed you? Is it changing you to be conformed to the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in salvation and a little bit more every day until we go and be with him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the story that we've seen not just a story like in a little storybook for kids, but in, in the reality of the way you worked, in the reality of what you did, in the reality that you demonstrated yourself to uh, these two men. And in the breaking of bread, their eyes were opened and they, they understood who you were. It changed them, God. God, give us a heart to be changed, to be like our Savior Jesus Christ, like these men were. Father, give us a heart that we would live for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Give us a passion and a heart that never would forget all that Jesus Christ did, all that, we, all that was accomplished for us. May we never forget, may we always remember, and then live out of that for the glory of our Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.